those machines have been around for quite a long time. I think the first uh, of these electronic embroidery machines must have been produ produced already in the 80s. I didn't uh, come across them in the 90s, but in the uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, and this was also the moment when we started. So we started very slow. It wasn't intended. It, wa it was intended as an arts uh, approach. So welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. In this episode, we're talking to Andrea Meyer-Stalder about Turtle Stitch. Turtle Stitch allows kids to visually encode a stitching path, export it, and then have a real embroidery machine produce it. So Andrea is an artist, educator and the project lead for Turtle Stitch and she's from Vienna in Austria. Turtle Stitch is based on Snap, a browser-based educational programming language and it is used to generate patterns for embroidery machines. We have interviewed Jens Möning, the lead developer of Snap, last year. So you might want to check out that episode at kidslab.dev or in your podcasting app's episode list. As it's based on Snap, also Turtle Stitch is easy to use and requires no prior knowledge in programming. Using code, you can create stunning patterns for embroidery. It is not just a great way to get kids, both boys and girls, interested in coding, it's also a useful tool for designers to experiment with generative aesthetics and precision embroidery. The key concept that Turtle Stitch uses is the draw line function, where the line is being recorded as a running stitch and transformed into a widely used embroidery file format. To get started with Turtle Stitch, you just have to visit turtlestitch.org and open their web-based editor at kidslab.dev. And in this episode's blog post, you'll find more infos, images, and all relevant links that we mentioned during the interview. Welcome, Andrea. It's great to have you on the Kids Lab podcast. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Did you survive the storm? We had pretty stormy weather and probably also in Austria. I guess, yes, right? happily it was not uh, that intense in uh, Vienna. So Yeah, it was very intense here in Germany. So we had just uh, the, the kids actually two days home because the trains didn't didn't work. So, so Andrea, let's talk about Turtle Stitch. Um, so, With Turtle Stitch, I understand you can create stitching paths. And uh, to, to create these stitching paths, I think you can use visual coding, um, which is based on Snap. And that's, of course, super creative. So the first question would be, how did you get this idea? Oh, uh, actually, uh, I think it uh, has to do with my past. I studied uh, arts, visual media arts in the 19th, uh, 90s in uh, Vienna. And uh, it was one of the first studies uh, where you had the possibility to uh, combine coding and creativity. Uh, and um, in my early <laughs> days, uh, in my in my teenage uh, years, I was an uh, active uh, sewer. So I had a sewing machine. I did a lot of crazy things with the machine and um, so later I was into the digital arts and I passed a shop window in this shop window I saw a digital embroidery machine and I was so curious about how the uh, technical engineers um, combined this idea of um, of uh, sewing and uh, a 
kind of personal computer and I wanted to, to get this machine. I got it and then I found uh, other people too who were interested in uh, exploring this machine. Uh, and our first idea was to hack the operating system. <laughs> In the end, we did not do this. Uh, uh, I had uh, the possibility to rethink that. And I uh, thought about, uh, in the end, that we uh, want uh, to find uh, a more a kind of um, constructive uh, way to, to, to work with this machine. And that's what we did. So we uh, thought about how to uh, write files. So we explored the um, file format, the embroidery file formats. I counted 40 different file formats when I started my research and we we found out how to write our own file formats and we also found out how to write them on the server side and uh, it was such a great moment when I realized how to do it on the server side because I also uh, understood that we could offer these uh, possibilities to others and this was the moment where uh, Scratch came in uh, we wanted to combine it with uh, Scratch at the at the, at the first uh, uh, moment, but then we found out about Snap and we did a little bit of an evaluation. And when we did this, uh, Scratch was still combined with Flash and Snap uh, uh, was not. So we decided to use Snap. Yeah, I remember Jens uh, in a in a recent podcast we we discussed Snap and he mentioned that it was a really good decision to not uh, bet on Flash. Uh, because uh, a couple of months or years later, Apple decided to ban Flash pretty much from its operating system, right? So that was a good choice. Very cool. So your very first embroidery machine that you just mentioned, did that already work with some files and, and kind of a USB stick? Or how did you kind of program something like that? Actually, yes. Those machines have been around for quite a long time. I think the first uh, of these electronic embroidery machines must have been produ produced already in the 80s. I didn't uh, come across them in the 90s, but in the, uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, and this was also the moment when we started. So we started very slow. It wasn't intended. It, wa it was intended as an arts uh, approach. So it's a personal idea and an arts approach. And we didn't, uh, from the, we didn't start with the idea to make a big community platform out of it. Yeah, but that, that has happened now, right? This has happened. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so how how long did it take to to realize the first prototype, especially a prototype that runs, um, as you mentioned, as a service on on the internet, right, as a website? We were really happy to get um, uh, funding from a local nonprofit organization. Uh, I uh, wrote an application and uh, they accepted it. Uh, so when we when the, when we could start decoding it didn't take us uh, very long. I think it was just two or three months uh, to to hack together the, the first prototype. And then the background of uh, the main coder of Turtle Stage is also in the, in the free software. Uh, I'm, I was also a very uh, a big fan of uh, the, the free software development. And he um, posted it and shared it uh, right away. And this was the moment when Jens Mönig uh, came across it and He was uh, excited too about uh, what what was happening there. Okay, so what has uh, what did you change when it comes to Snap? Because I mean, Snap is this um, visual coding tool that's used uh, even by university, right, to teach uh, beauty and joy of coding. I believe. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so you you're using it to create stitching paths. Mm -hmm. So um, was that very natural, or did you have to change a lot when it comes to the, the code of it? Uh, there were some categories which didn't make sense at all to be combined with the idea of uh, 
making textiles. So we reduced uh, the turtle stitch and, and put away some of these uh, categories. It is, for example, the sound category or the looks of the of um, of, of the small costumes. We don't need uh, to have different costumes for the uh, for the uh, mouse pointer or for the. Uh, the turtle. We just need the turtle, as uh, uh, which is intended to be uh, the needle in the end. I can explain it a little bit uh, detailed uh, later. So we put away some of the categories. Uh, we just use one sprite. We don't need several layers of sprites. We just need one sprite. And the main difference uh, compared to Snap is that we have a different. Uh, type of stage. We don't have a static stage like uh, it is in Scratch and also in Snap. We have um, a more dynamic stage because we need for us it's a little bit more like a working space uh, this stage when the pattern is drawn in the stage area we need to uh, readjust it to move it around and to zoom in and out and to have a look uh, at the details of the patterns so we have got to in to, to uh, inspect the single stitches so we put uh, uh, we use the 3d engine for the stage but we in the end we just use it uh, in in 2d but in in the end it's a 3d engine behind i think i read that um originally you've used the pen module to create these stitches in snap is that still the case or has that changed now it is still the pen it is still the pen module module yes uh the we just found out by using it by switching the pen on and off that in the end when you think about a sewing machine uh the thread is always there so the pen is always there and uh, when you uh compare it or uh, to the to the software then uh, of course it doesn't make sense that you switch off the pen so that's uh, in the in the end we uh, decided to have it uh, set uh, default that the pen is switched on you can switch it off and you can switch it on again but it uh, you can just use it optionally so i think you you refer to pen pen down and up basically right because yes. i think in snap you can put the pen down and then the the turtle is drawing a line i believe right And otherwise, there's no line. Yes, that's something that you that you just realize when you practice, when you <laughs> use it, and uh, it was not uh, it was not clear from the beginning. So for many, I guess, uh, just also like for me, um, the whole concept of an embroidery machine is is quite new, right? So can you outline how you go from uh, a stitching path that you created in, in Turtle Stitch to a to something that is being produced by an embroidery machine? In Turtle Stitch, you can uh, save different uh, things. Uh, you can save the code as uh, a project file in an XML file format. You can also save uh, an image file of the stage in a PNG, and you can also uh, save vector graphics as an uh, SVG. Uh, for example, you could also use, or some, some users uh, use the SVG uh, and feeding it uh, to a um, to a, a laser cutter uh, but uh, if you use turtle stitch the main intention is to use it for embroidery uh, you have two we have two different file formats it's a dst and the exp file format i mentioned already that there are so many file formats in embroidery around but Uh, those are very widely used. They are uh, industrial uh, embroidery file formats. And whenever you think about um, 
buying uh, an uh, embroidery machine, uh, it's good if you check first uh, if the embroidery machine supports uh, these file formats. When you uh, have these file formats, they are uh, just saved in the downloads folder, exported to the downloads folder. You copy it to a USB stick and uh, uh, connect the USB stick to the embroidery machine. And by the way, if you have already an embroidery machine which uh, doesn't support uh, those uh, different uh, file formats, there are um, programs around who can convert the file format. That, of course, brings up the question, which embroidery machine is uh, or should would you recommend for example because a lot of um, a lot of our listeners will not have an embroidery machine at home and when you get one right which one would you recommend uh i really it's it's hard for me to uh, recommend brands so i don't really like uh, that <laughs> but of course there are some uh, brands uh, that work uh, better than others um The costs of those uh, embroidery machines are from 600 euros upwards. Uh, uh, we recommend machines that are around 900, so uh, it's almost the same amount uh, you can calculate in, in US dollars, I think. Uh, and of course, there are very, very expensive high-end embroidery machines too, but it's absolutely not necessary to buy a high-end machine. Are there some services around where I can just simply send my EXP file to? Absolutely. What I did when, when I wanted to make some larger scaled uh, embroideries was that I was uh, uh, checking out in, in my city if there are em embroidery uh, companies, shops around. I went there and uh, talked about the people there. They took my files and uh, embroidered, embroidered it for me. It's also possible to, to uh, organize the, the output like this. Or you can uh, uh, go to a makerspace or fab lab. Maybe, but what I didn't uh, say um, earlier is uh, that um, we have on our website uh, a file uh, where a lot of different embroidery machines are recommended from our users. You can uh, go there and have a look uh, what uh, what what you like and uh, what what you can afford to. Um, so I'm just wondering, how long does it take to to produce um, a stitching path? Uh, it depends on the complexity of the pattern. Uh, if you uh, have uh, a pattern that has about uh, 3,000 uh, single stitches and your embroidery machine uh, is able to uh, stitch 650 uh, a minute, then it takes about uh, five minutes uh, to uh, have it uh, uh, to have it produced. It's Uh, also a matter, so it's a matter of the speed of the machine, but in the end, it's not so important how fast the embroidery machine works. Uh, that's my impression because uh, when you did the coding before uh, and you um, created something, you saw it drawing uh, on the, on the, on the display. It's really exciting to watch it uh, being or getting, um, kind of uh, material or seed uh, being produced on the embroidery machine so in the end you anyway uh, you, you you stand there and you and you watch it uh, getting uh, physical yeah but it's, it's even better if it takes longer because then if more things more more time to be fascinated right it's so. fun watching it in the end yes yes see and this this actually brings me to one of the the next questions which is which is how how do kids um interact with embroidery right and you must have given so many workshops now with kids and uh what do they like about it and and how do you for example structure a workshop it always depends on the 
on the specific situation. It depends uh, on uh, the number of instructors, if you're alone or if you have support. Uh, it depends on how big uh, the group is. Of course, it is for, for teachers, for example, uh, who, are, who are new in the field, it's good if they uh, did uh, some um, experimentation already uh, a little bit earlier, especially if you work with a group. It's good that you know what you do because, uh, uh, I mean... Uh, Kids just uh, want to have an instructor, instructor who knows uh, what it is all about. So take take a little bit uh, time first and try it on your own. Uh, it's uh, it is experimental, but it's very friendly to um, experiments. Uh, turtle stitch in in general. Uh, if I start um, a workshop, I. Have, I have some patterns which I really like to start with coding. Uh, there is my favorite uh, pattern is a, 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 a explosion code. It's just four or five lines of graphical uh, coding uh, commands. Uh, mm -hmm. It introduces the idea of random stitch length. You can't do it, of course, at all with a regular sewing machine and also not with uh, the usual uh, embroidery programs. But in turtle stitch, you can, you can, you can define it. You can say uh, every single stitch that follows after the other has a, a, an own a specific random length. Children understand this very fast and they really like the idea of randomness. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a loop involved and a turn command uh, uh, involved. Uh, and in the end, everything uh, loops again. And if you execu execute the code, it is a really dynamic and uh, funny explosion. The code, so the pattern in the end looks really complicated. You you expect a lot of difficult code behind, but in the end, it's 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 a really... An, an, an easy example, and uh, I, I found out that kids like that a lot. It's a, an, an abstract pattern. There are also some some regular uh, kind of uh, patterns. What what they liked. It's uh, sometimes I decide to to start with this. So, for example, just uh, circles uh, within a circle. So, uh, where in the end, the it's it's very clear what what the outcome is, and when you execute it, it's always the same. Uh, so it depends a little bit on the on the group uh, you're working with. with yes. So I think it, this, these projects must also really help um, to to understand geometry, right? And also see what it can be used for, right? Or trigonom trigonometry, I believe, right? So mathematics, I mean, these are the, the kind of projects where you really understand, hey, what I just learned in math, it actually could be useful. Absolutely, and it's very interesting. In uh, you're you're driven from the from the uh, visual um, from your visual needs, so you have an idea what you want to have in the end, and then you start uh, uh, trying and working uh, on the formula. So I also I, it was not my intention to um, to 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 produce or to design a, a project which which is so intensively into mathematics because I wasn't uh, such a A, a clever person or student in mathematics, but with Turtle Stitch, I, I can dive into it uh, forever. And uh, I, I mean, I also live this kind of um, excitement for for the code and 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 for the things that are that are behind it. And mathematics is definitely a, a big thing in Turtle Stitch, and also geometry, as you said. So, is this being used at schools right now in in Austria, in Germany, or somewhere else on this planet? 
we have users from from every single continent uh, and in schools uh, it's very intensively intensively used there are a lot of schools registered from the US there are schools uh, from uh, Ireland from the Netherlands from the UK of course from Austria um Let me think. I mean, we have uh, users from China and from Africa, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's cool. So I, you don't have to register uh, in Turtle Stitch. You can register. Uh, it's, it's optional, but uh, schools are definitely uh, taking part with whole classes. So as a teacher to get started, you would probably then um, open the Turtle Stitch website, uh, create a couple of designs yourself, maybe have them produced, of course, right before you then approach this class. Um, Are there some are there some special materials available for teachers to help them get started? What I did not mention before, there is also a great uh, pattern from the uh, people at the Warwick University. There is a group of educa educators that are around uh, Margaret Lowe in Warwick University, uh, and they also produced manual cards. We also produced manual cards. Uh, it's uh, quite. Uh, um, A, a good number of uh, cards around. You can use those cards, or we also have video tu tutorials. It's it's also fun because it is a community project, and uh, you can also get uh, help uh, from the community. Uh, a, a good recommendation is um, to uh, use uh, our our um, Twitter uh, feed. There, you also see who is active, and uh, you get uh, help. Uh, immediately from from others if you if you are in need very cool and we will of course put all these links into the show notes not at the end but the second last question i would have for you is um i believe that turtle stitch is probably used also by a lot of creative makers all over the world right i mean it's really cool for kids of course to learn about the practical implications of mathematics and and, and geometry and things like that right but I believe it must also really attract a lot of makers. So can you tell us a bit about some crazier and maybe more intense projects that you've come across? I want to uh, point out the activities of uh, Simon Meng uh, in China. He is uh, working with children regularly and has also his uh, small space. I don't know how many people he has around him, but he is uh, A, a, a great designer and is always uh, giving us a lot of inspiration with the patterns he is designing. There are maker spaces in Japan I got contacted from. There are maker spaces in the UK. Um, There are, there are a lot of people around who make their own thing. Ah, and there is this, oh my God, uh, there is this great, uh, maker space, um, in Boston where Cynthia Solomon, uh, is, is active, uh, in, there are so many great people around. And, mm -hmm. uh, so we'll, we'll try to link to all of these in the show notes then. Very yes, cool. Yes. I, I will try hard <laughs> to, to, to uh, dig out all these uh, references. Thank you so yes. Much. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrea, um, what are the future plans? What, what, what plans do you have for Turtle Stitch for the future? Before starting uh, about talking uh, about the future, I also want to uh, uh, thank to the contributors to the to the to Turtle Stitch. Uh, of course, we are a team, so I don't do it uh, on my own. There is uh, Michael Usher around, who is uh, an active and very talented and, and great uh, programmer. He's currently not living uh, in Europe. He's uh, in in California in the United States and he um, he was um, 
coding intensively in setting up the, the platform since the beginning. And there is uh, Susan Edenheim in uh, New York City, a teacher who is who is making uh, really great pedagog pedagogical work with her students since so many years, and and a lot of other. People, but I, I, I wanted uh, to to refer to to those two persons. And the third uh, member I want to point out is is the great community around, and uh, this has a very special dynamic about future plans. Uh, uh, so. Uh, talking in uh, reference to the community we will be around at conferences this summer uh, there will uh, hopefully be people accepted at SIGGRAPH in the US uh, at this hopefully at the Scratch conference in Boston we will go to the SNAP conference uh, definitely uh, in, uh, in in Berkeley this year and if it's uh, not our core team from Turtle Stitch it's community members um, there is uh, there are uh, news about uh, my uh, employer. Um, we got uh, we started a, a collaboration with the Vienna University's Children's Office. Uh, I am allowed to work several hours a week for Turtle Stitch. That's great because uh, Turtle Stitch is a community project, and uh, it was um, of course pretty hard to. Uh, develop it uh, over the last years. We did crowdfunding campaigns, whatever, uh, uh, tried to get uh, public funding. Uh, and so it's a, it's a great thing that um, we get this connection to the Vienna University uh, here uh, and we will integrate Turtle Stitch also in our offering. So that's uh, something very uh, concrete. Uh, this is, this is good news. Uh, and of course we will go for, uh, we want to go for sponsoring also uh, in this year uh, because um, uh, Turtle Stitch is a it's, it's a really new uh, idea for using embroidery machines, and uh, we tried uh, to contact manufacturers, but so far uh, we didn't really uh, raise their awareness. So this will also be uh, one uh, task uh, we want uh, to go uh, within this 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 year. Wow, Andrea, thank you very much. That was uh, really amazing. Very cool. It's a super cool project and I can just really recommend for everybody to just try it out and at least go to your local fab lab and just um, have something embroidered. Thank you so much and all the best for the future. Thank you so much for inviting me and letting me talk about my love project. You're very welcome. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. In this episode, we explored Turtle Stitch directly with their project lead, Andrea. If you don't have access to a suitable embroidery machine, I'd recommend you contact your local fab lab or makerspace because it's really worth trying out. I hope you also liked this episode. And if you did, do me a favor and subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a future episode. If you have feedback, either use kidslab.dev or just tweet me with the hashtag kidslabpodcast. In the next episode, we're talking to Eric Rosenbaum about Scratch, a widely used visual programming language. Plus, we're discussing some of his other very cool projects, for example, Maki Maki or Singing Fingers. So stay tuned and see you soon.